Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about salvation, but from a different perspective. Uh, we're closing the book of Acts this morning, and um, let, let me start by reading the text, and then I'll tell you a story. Uh, if you want to go with me to chapter 28, book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 17. It's basically the end of the story here, and it's extremely powerful. I used to believe, or I was taught, basically, that the end of the story was not complete. Uh, I was taught that probably some parts of the book were missing, and that we didn't have exactly the whole thing together um, uh, by look, however, after reading it through the years and through many different experiences of faith, uh, I can see now a different perspective for this story. So I want to I wanna read this story, then I want to tell you a story, and then I want to talk about salvation this morning. Verse 17. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government. Even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our um, ancestors, the Romans tried me and wanted me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I ask you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, and you're going to highlight that part, the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God, and tried to pursue them about Jesus from the scriptures, using the law of Moses and the book of prophets. He spoke to them from the morning until evening. Some were persu persuaded, 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 that's a difficult word for me, by the things he said, but others did not believe. Highlight that part too. Others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with the final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors, through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to these people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and highlight this part. And let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles. And they will accept it. 
For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. And that's it. That's the end of the book. Again, I was taught that this was missing something. And I was like, okay, wait. We have been seeing all the adventures, all the difficult moments, the difficult situations, rejection. We have also seen some miracles. But just to finish the book with, this is Paul in jail. I mean, he's in a house, but he's in jail. And then no one tried to stop him. And that's it. So I was like, okay, wait a minute. I, I can't believe it. I, I don't get it. So that's why many preachers and ministers, they say, well, you know, uh, there's uh, chapter 29. And chapter 29 is what we are living right now. So you have heard about many different Christian conferences and, um, and events saying, okay, Acts 29, because the story continues. And this is not the end of the story because uh, the author had in mind that we will continue with it. Well, uh, those are just basically our own conclusions. And there are some good applications based on that idea. However, again, there's something else. And that something else is what basically I want to share with all of you this morning. But let me tell you a story. Um, two weeks ago, I, was, I needed to take an early flight to Houston. So we had a whole agenda during the day, a couple of meetings and stuff. Uh, in Houston, so we decided to book this flight early in the morning, 6.45. So I needed to be at the airport super early for, you know, everything. So I decided to do the check-in and pay for my bag and everything. And um, and I left early and I got there and the airport was packed. For some reason, it was just a mess. And part of that mess basically was like uh, me waiting in the line to check my bag in. For like 25 minutes and then finally when I got into the machine the thing said oh it's too late to check in uh, your bag so I went to the counter another 15 minutes and I got there and the lady said oh I'm so sorry uh, but uh, your bag cannot make it into the plane and I said oh that that's fine you send me I mean uh, I'll go and then you put my luggage in a different plane no sir you are not getting it if you don't go with your luggage you, I mean you cannot fly and I said oh Okay, but I need to be in Houston today. Oh yeah, but, 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 but you were here late. Well, no, I've been waiting here for almost 40 minutes and I didn't know that this was so packed. So yeah, well, I was not late, but okay, well, sir, don't worry. We'll put you in another flight. Oh, okay, thank you. I was expecting to, I was expected to be at Houston at around 9 a.m. So the lady said, oh yeah, we have another flight for you and you'll be there at 5 p.m. I was like, oh. No, 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 you don't get it. I mean, I have a whole agenda in Houston. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. I, there's no other flights for you. So, okay, uh, that's the only option? So, okay, yeah, okay. Okay, that's the only option. I'll take it. And then she said, oh, no, 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 it, it, it's okay, it's okay. I just found another flight, and you're going to be able to make it around 1 p.m. Oh, that's better. I mean, it's not 9 a.m., but it's not 5 p.m. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, but the flight is at seven at 7.20, and it's 6 40 something already. So, okay, okay, you got to run. I said, okay, perfect. So I'm running, and as I'm running, I decided just to check to make sure everything uh, was correct. 
I went through security and I saw that the flight was not at 7.20 but at 7 a.m. And it was 6.55. So I started running. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I got there and I, and I saw the lady walking and I said, hey, excuse me. And then she closed the door. And then she, she's back and said, hey, uh, I guess that I missed the flight. And she's like, oh yeah, you're right. So, oh, so any options? Oh yeah, I put on another flight. So I'm thinking about, you know, some other ideas and then she's like yeah um i have a flight and then you'll be able to be uh, at houston at 7 p.m well it, it was a flight before you know at like around uh 5 p.m i mean it's two hours but yeah but there's no more seats in that flight and you gotta go to chicago and then you gotta wait for an hour and then you go to houston it's okay I'll, I'll, I'll take it i'll take it so i'm like okay i'm gonna go back home but I was so frustrated, so frustrated, and I was mad. So I was like, okay, oh, and what do I do with my luggage? Oh, don't worry, your luggage is on the way to Houston already. And I was like, oh, my, but you guys said that I, like, okay, never mind. So I'm walking back to the car, and I park in the, I think it's Flamingo parking, so I'm just walking from United to Flamingo Park, and I'm walking, walking, I'm mad. I, it's early in the morning. I'm hungry, and I was like, "Okay, I don't know what I don't know what's gonna. I don't. Know, I was frustrated. Okay, so and and you can see me now. But so I was getting to my car, and then I saw this lady, and she's holding a baby, a newborn, and another little girl walking with her, and probably with five or six bags. So she's coming, and then I saw her, and I was like, "Oh." You can go. So I thought that she was walking to her car. But once we cross, she said, hey, can I use your cell phone? I said, oh, yeah, of course. Um, give me the number. No, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, okay, you can use it. Fine. Then started talking to uh, her husband, and she said, hey, uh, we're here. Uh, we're exhausted. We can't wait to see you, but we're a little bit lost. And we are in this place. I see this and this and this and this. And the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where it is. And then she said, thank you. You saved me. So I just didn't think anything like deep at the moment. It's like, okay, no, don't worry. If you need anything else, let me know. So I left. And then I was thinking, okay, what happens if the guy cannot find her? And she doesn't have a cell phone. Okay, let me drive back now with my car just to make sure that she doesn't need to use the cell phone again. So I'm driving back and I'm playing this song and, uh, and, and it's just crazy, but it's, it's my story, but I'm playing this song and this was the playlist that I was supposed to be listening to in the plane. And just in that part where this, this Spanish song said, how beautiful love is, I saw the couple hugging each other. I was like, oh, this is... This is interesting. And I realized that I was not mad anymore. And I was not frustrated anymore. I started smiling. And then I said, thank God. She thinks that I saved her, but she saved me. And now let me just tell you why I'm telling you this story. How it is related to salvation and connected to what we just read. So this is Paul. Think about Paul. He's determined to communicate the message of Jesus. 
He believed that Jesus is the Messiah. The one that Israel has been waiting for so many years. The one who is going to bring freedom to his people. Paul is deeply convinced that salvation has come. From the Old Testament, we get the idea that salvation for Israel was deeply connected to the idea of freedom. Every single time you see Israel in the Old Testament crying out for freedom, you will see them in the context of suffering or struggling. They were taken captive by the Babylonians, and it was just messy and it was just hard for them. And, and, and we see in, in many of scriptures and the prophets the word salvation. The, the Lord is going to come with his salvation. And every single time we see salvation, we see the connection with freedom. They were tired. They were frustrated. Seeing generation after generation going through the same things all the time. Even though they knew that sin was involved and the, the, the terrible things that they did were separating them from God. They were frustrated. They wanted freedom. And they knew that one day God was going to send the Messiah to bring that freedom for them. And they had their own idea of freedom. And this is really interesting. Because they were thinking about a leader, probably a political leader. Somebody that was going to gather an army or a group of people ready just to fight against Israel's enemies. And they were ready for that. And they were like, you'll see one day. Oh, you think that right now you, you have power and everything? Just wait for the Messiah to come and you'll see. And you'll see who's going to be in power next. And you'll see who's going to be ruling. Because you won't be ruling. Because our Messiah will be here. And we will be ruling with him. You can humiliate us right now. But just wait for it. And time was passing and passing and passing and passing. And nothing was happening. And then we have Paul saying. Hey, I have some good news. And we see through the whole book of Acts. How this mission to communicate to Israel. That the Messiah is finally here. We, we see them with passion and we, we see how this story has been transforming their life. However, we don't see the leader getting or putting together an army or a group of people ready to fight against the Romans. We don't see that. In fact, at this point, we do not see that leader. He is technically gone. He said, there is this thing that I want to share with you. You go and communicate it to all the people and I will be with you always. And then they saw him. It's like, okay, where is he going? Is he going to come back? But they were determined to communicate that. But it was from a different perspective. Not the perspective that Israel had. From their own understanding of the Old Testament. And now we see Paul getting to Rome. And if you remember how Luke started with this story, the whole picture, he said that Jesus told the disciples, You will be my witnesses, and you will be announcing this. From Jerusalem to Rome. 
And this message will go to every corner of the world. Now what's interesting to me is this. The story begins with a group of people in a house waiting for something. That's how the story begins in the book of Acts. A group of people in a house waiting for something. And the story is ending up in a house with a group of people with that something already. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They were waiting for power to come that day. They didn't have a clue of how that power was going to be revealed. They didn't know exactly how that power was going to be expressed or manifest. However, at the end of the story, at the end of the book of Acts, we see the power of the Holy Spirit in a house. Again, it's in a house. This is why I don't think that the book of Acts is not complete. I think that Luke is telling us the whole story. Christianity is not about the structures of power. Christianity is not about how we create the big system so people can believe in what we are proclaiming. Christianity is basically the message of Jesus telling us that in the small things we can find transformation. While the religious leaders were gathered together in the temple with their own structures and ideas and interpretations and their own connections with the Roman government and everything, in a small house, transformation was happening. And that was in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the center of religion for Israel. So while religion was organizing everything and telling people what to do and how to do it, in a small house, we have a group of people waiting for the power of God. And they got the power and they start experiencing transformation. But now the story is not ending in the center of the religion of Israel, but now in the main city of the political power of that day. In a house. While all the leaders and the government was thinking about their strategies and the way to do things, in that small house, salvation was coming. Jerusalem and Rome, religion and political power. But the church and a small house bring in the healing. Because religion can promise healing, but it's not going to happen. Political leaders can promise healing, but it's not going to happen. But guess what? We have the power of the Holy Spirit operating. And sometimes in secret and mysterious ways. Healing people and blessing them. Transformation, of course, in the less expected places. The small places. In a house, miracles were happening. This is why it's so important for us to understand... How powerful it is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to take us to these places where God is doing something. And we don't want to miss it. Especially right now. We do not want to miss what God is doing. Another thing that is really interesting to me is this. Um, we, have a, 
we have a tendency, and it's it's in human nature to to compare ourselves to each other. Um, and sometimes it's, it's I don't know how I, I, I probably this this example won't make any sense to some of you, but I'm gonna use it because it's the only one that I have in my mind right now. I like soccer, okay, and it's a great sport. I am not gonna say anything else about that, okay? I know you guys like football, and and I forgive you all for that. But okay, I did say something. Okay, uh, but um, there's two there's there's two players that people believe that they are the best soccer players in the world. And it's this guy from Portugal called Cristiano Ronaldo, and this guy from Argentina called Lionel Messi. When you see them together playing, it's beautiful. I mean, not together in the same team, but against each other. It's beautiful. It's like, wow, this this is amazing. But then we have people saying, oh, okay, no, 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 but I don't care if they're playing good or not. Who's the best? Oh, well, no, no, you cannot compare because they played like, you know, different styles and positions. No, 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 but you need to choose. Who's the best? Oh, well, uh, people from Portugal, oh, Cristiano's the best. People from Argentina, <laughs> no, no, Lionel is the best. And then they have the big fight. Who's the best? We have, we have this tendency to compare. So sometimes in the Bible, we do the same thing. Because when we preach, we say, oh, you have to be like Paul. Look at Paul. He was suffering. He was dealing with so many things. But he had faith and he was ready just to, to go through it. Be like Peter. Be like Abraham. Be like the prophets. But the stories of these people, they're not put together in the Bible for us to compare ourselves with them and their own experiences. These stories are here for us to understand. To be more specific, in the book of Acts, that Peter is not the hero. Paul is not the hero. All the apostles, they're not the heroes. The hero in this story is the Holy Spirit. And when we recognize and we acknowledge that, that it's not about man doing the work of God, but God doing that work through man, everything changes. The Holy Spirit is the hero. Why do we think that the Holy Spirit is the hero? Because Paul was trying to reach to Israel. Say, hey, you, you need to listen to me. I have a message. I received this message from God. And it's important. The Messiah is here. Freedom is coming. And you are ready to experience that. You need to follow. You need to, to listen to what I have. And some people say, oh, that's, that's interesting. I, I believe that. And other people said, eh, no, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. I am not going to believe that. I'm really, really sorry. And Paul was insistent and insistent and insistent. And one day the Holy Spirit told him, hey, there's another group of people over there. The Gentiles. They're going to pay attention to your message. So the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate. Listen to this. From the very beginning, Acts chapter 2, that the message of the Messiah was for everybody, for the whole world, and not only for Israel. Peter didn't get it, though, you know, like in the best way, like, well, yeah, you know, but hey, uh, there's some things that I don't feel that comfortable, okay. And then we have 
James and other the apostles and, and, and getting into this conflicts and oh well but the Gentiles well you know yeah they have received the same spirit oh well but are you sure about that and they have this conflict and then Paul is here pushing like hey I want to talk to the religious leaders here because I have a message I don't know if you are familiar with this and then in one point Paul realized wait a minute yes this message is for everybody you are not receiving it and you're going to miss how beautiful it is to experience God's healing. The Gentiles, they're ready. Yes, I'm going to go and talk to them. I'm going to invite the Gentiles to come and to listen to what I have. And the Holy Spirit, I, I just, I can think, I can only imagine the Holy Spirit saying, yes, I told you this since the beginning. This was for everybody. The Holy Spirit is the winner, is the hero, because the gospel of the Messiah, it's now communicated to everyone, every single corner of that world. And the end of the story for them, and this is how the connection from the, the first thing I said, it's just the beginning for our story. But now let me close with this. And this is how I will connect my story with this story. We tend to think in salvation as something for, for the future only. And that's how we preach salvation. We say, oh, you got to be saved from this in the future when Jesus comes. It's really interesting how salvation has different meanings in the New Testament. And when we experience and we go deeper into the word for salvation and in the context where the word is expressed, we see salvation as something we experience in the present. In fact, we, we do not see in the New Testament a Bible verse telling us, and you will be saved. It's always like you are saved. Salvation is something that you already have. And if salvation is something that you already have, I want to go back to the end of the book of Acts. When Paul is basically saying, okay, this is what the prophet, the prophet said. And it's hard for you to, to understand and you cannot hear. You have ears, but you cannot hear. Your hearts cannot understand. And at the, at the very end of this, this is, this is powerful. At the, at the very end of it, before Paul jumps in again explaining to them this, he says, this is God through the prophet, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Let me heal them. Please know that God did not say, oh, you're ears you have ears and you cannot hear your heart cannot understand so now my judgment and condemnation is coming to you no he's saying these words with deep sadness i cannot heal you because you cannot see what i'm telling you 
This is like a father, like a dad or a mom thinking, son, I, I want to help you to, to heal, but you are not listening to me. If you keep making the same wrong decisions, and you're still doing the, the, the same things, and we have talked about this before. And that mom and that dad, they're not going to close the, the doors of their house just because the kid is not doing what they want him to do. But they're frustrated to see that he's making the same mistakes every single time. And, and he is not allowing them to help him heal. And this is how God is seeing the world. With deep sadness saying, I want to heal them. They cannot hear what I'm trying to say, but I want to heal them. And then right after that, immediately after the healing thing, Paul said, I want you to know that this salvation, because salvation in this context is healing. Many people in this world, they're suffering and struggling. And what they need is the salvation of God coming right now to their lives so they can experience the healing of the Holy Spirit. Because the message of the gospel is a message of healing. And it's a message of hope. Paul did not say, okay, you know what? You don't want to listen to this? Then that's it. I'm not going to be dealing with you. I don't have time for this. I'm going to pray for God to bring some fire to you because honestly, I can't with you guys anymore. Paul's preaching now. In communicating this message. Because what we have received from God has the power to heal the sick world. But more than that, the message of the gospel has the power to restore the hope that people are losing every single day. At the end, Paul said, or Luke said, and no one tried to stop him. What Luke is saying is that Paul was preaching this gospel in freedom. However, he was in jail. He was in jail. Because from the theological perspective, what Luke is trying to tell us here is not that Paul is preaching this gospel in freedom because no one was opposing to him. It's because the real obstacle sometimes to understand the power of hope and healing of the gospel is inside of us. It's in our hearts. Yes, we can be following God, but our ears probably won't be able to hear and our eyes won't be able to see and our hearts won't be able to understand. Those are the obstacles that we need for God to remove from our heart so we can heal and bring the hope that the world needs. And because of this, this morning, we can say that the power of the gospel and the mission of the church can pray and do something. Yes, can pray for healing and hope for the people in Afghanistan. Healing and hope for the people in Cuba, people in Venezuela, in Nicaragua, people right next to us in our neighborhood, struggling with something, suffering and dealing 
with rejection. Church, we have the gospel of healing and hope. May your words and your actions reflect the healing that people need right now. May your words and actions reflect the hope. The world is not in need for us to be saying, Oh, this is, yeah, is going to end soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I really hope that Jesus comes now because, oh, no, 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 we can't with this anymore and this and that. No. In your mouth, your words, they need to be reflecting what the Lord is. And the Lord is telling us there is hope. Even if everything is dark, there is hope for those fighting against COVID right now in the hospital or at home. There is hope and healing for them. And they need to know that. And guess what? We, the church, we are the chosen ones. And if we pray for God to remove any obstacles, we will preach with freedom to tell the world, you can be healed. The Messiah is here and there is hope for you today, right now. We are going to uh, sing and then uh, we have one of the elders, uh, Paco Perez, is going to come and do a closing prayer for us. God bless.